Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, December the 28th, 2023. It is currently 4.39 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, the year is fast coming to an end. Before we know it, it's going to be 2024. And as a podcaster, sometimes it's that end of the year where you get a lot of encouraging things, right? Sometimes during the year, most of your emails, a lot of times are people who are trying to argue with you, debate with you. A lot of times if people are posting comments on, say, YouTube or wherever, they tend to be sometimes much more of the argumentative, almost trying to bait you into an argument. So sometimes maybe you're a little paranoid and sometimes you assume that that's what someone's trying to do. But you kind of you kind of brace yourself for the negative. Oh, you get some positives, obviously, throughout the year. But it's when you get to the end of the year where the people who tend to be wanting to argue or fight with you, they've kind of moved on. It's the holidays. They're not giving you any thought. But the people who've kind of been with you throughout the year who maybe haven't contacted you, a lot of times they show up at the end of the year. They'll send encouraging emails. Sometimes they'll send you a gift card. Maybe they'll make a special donation to the ministry. And those are very, very encouraging. What you almost have to do is you have to kind of like, you you got to kind of... um you got to kind of brace yourself and kind of kind of make sure you you set your ex- expectations low because you can kind of go oh it's the end of the year i'm going to get a card i'm going to get gift cards i'm going to get this i'm going and, and there's going to be extra money coming into the ministry to help us for the next year and you kind of get excited and then sometimes you're like okay well i mean you know and so you don't want to do that you want to just like every single one means the world to you because it's just that time of year i i know someone who delivers mail in boston and uh their mail uh, they were going you know picking delivering the mail and people had left them gifts. And by the time they got home, they had, they had gotten over $400 in cash and hundreds of dollars of gift cards just for the people that they had, you know, delivered on their mail route. They, they, they had, um, that they'd gathered all of that. And so that's awesome. I mean, you talk about encouraging you to want to keep delivering mail. I mean, that's a, that's a big, that's a big thing. So it's this time of year that I get excited. And well, guess what? I got one of those emails that is very encouraging and it really tries, I think to me, the thing about the email is not so much that it is so encouraging. It really gets to the heart of what I've been trying to do, not only in 2023, but for a very long time. So let me, let me take you on kind of a historical journey before we get to the email because I want to, I want to make this more than just me going, look, guys, look, I got an email and they really like me. I don't want, I don't want to sit here and go, look, 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 it's in everyone. Listen to this email, right? No, I, in a one, in one sense, I want to respond to the email, but I want to use the email to obviously try to produce something that, uh, that will be somewhat beneficial for everyone. So let me take you back to a galaxy far, far away and a long, long, long time ago. Okay. Okay. Maybe, 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 okay. Maybe not that far back. Let me take you back to Tuscola, Texas. October, somewhere in the 1980s. I don't remember the exact year. I end up walking into First Baptist Church of Tuscola, Texas for a fall revival. I am not there because I necessarily want to be there. 
that that day at school, these girls who go to church at First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas, they're talking to uh, a teenage boy who claims to be a Satanist, and he's just telling them all these outrageous things about Satanism that is just absolutely not true, especially the kind of Satanism he was speaking of. So I kind of inject myself into the conversation just to say, he's messing with you. Not true, not true, not true. So then afterwards, they come up to me and they're like, hey, thank you so very much. Will you come to church with us? And I'm like, leave me alone. Okay. I don't care about your Christianity. Don't care about his Satanism. Just everyone leave me alone. I don't like anyone. Just, I'm just going to put on headphones and I'm going to go listen to music. And I wish I was, wasn't even here and I'd be better if I was dead. Just leave me alone. All right. That's kind of was my attitude. Well, then I go home and for anyone who knows, well, let's just say things in my childhood wasn't always very good and things got ugly, right? Screaming. Okay. All that kind of stuff. And so I get in a car and I end up at the First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas, and I decide to walk in. Now, I cannot tell you what was said. I cannot tell you what was preached. I don't remember anything. I just remember this overwhelming sense of I'm a sinner. No one had to convince me of that. I deserve to go to hell. No one had to convince me of that. And that I'm being told that Jesus Christ died for me and that he will forgive me all of of my sins and that he will be there. He'll be like a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Mother and father may forsake me, but he will always be there for me. And the next thing I know, I'm just literally laying in the pew, weeping, like wailing, screaming, like just like literally just... I mean, like, I I cannot even describe the emotional outburst there was. I didn't care what anyone thought. They literally stopped the service. They stopped the service and basically gave what they call an altar call. I didn't know what an altar call was. And then I just, I didn't know what to do. I just knew I walked up there and I'm like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And next thing you know, next thing you know, they put me behind the pulpit, which I have no idea why. And I basically just grip into all of these kids who go to, who I went to school with, who have, you know, treated me like trash, but they're all here in church. And so it's this big thing. It's emotional. There's tears, there's crying, all of this. And then when the service is over, the pastor hands me a Bible and says, and I got a Bible right here. He's like, this is the inspired word of God. And then I went home and I stayed up all night, read the entire New Testament. Within two or three days, I'd read the entire Bible. And then it was just read, 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 read. And then I had question after 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 question about everything, 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 everything. And I I felt like I wasn't getting a lot of answers. But I kept searching and I kept searching and I kept searching and I kept searching and I kept searching because I needed some answers. I needed these answers. I needed them. So I found myself Butternut Street, Abilene, Texas. Now, if you talk about Butternut Street in 2023, you typically make jokes about, well, crime and, and how, how the, play, the, the street is not a place you want to be, right? Okay, but, but back then, Butternut Street. Now, the, the, the radio station is still there. You had KGNZ, which is the, I think, wait, at that time, I don't think it was KGNZ. Now, at that, now I take that back. At that time, KGNZ was not located on Butternut Street. KGNZ was located out in a, a field somewhere. <laughs> like there were cows and just a little building. That's where KG, they were brand new. At that point in time, uh, where KGNZ is today, it was Rock 108. Abilene's hard rock radio station. Okay. So that's where Rock 108 was. All right. But right across the street from Rock 108 was the Bible bookstore. Now, I didn't know anything about the Bible bookstore. I just know I'm a Christian Bible bookstore. Okay. I'm going to go. So I walked in. Now, I've told the story before. 
The first time I walked in, I didn't know what to do. I was just looking around and I'm like, okay, I'm a teenager. That's kind of like the youth section. And this older gentleman came up to me and asked me, you know, okay, anything I can help you? I'm like, well, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know where to start. And he's like, well, let's get you out of the teen section. We don't want any of this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And he handed me, I think it was called the Foundations of the Christian Religion or Foundations of Christianity. I don't have the book in front of me by James Montgomery Boyce of 10th Presbyterian. And I would, and he had, and this is like basically a systematic theology. And that was the first book I was ever, I ever purchased as a Christian. And immediately my first book was a systematic theology. Oh, you talk about a sign of things to come, right? Okay. So that was awesome. Now, years later, years later, I'd been in the military over 10 years and I come back to Abilene, Texas, and I got a chance to meet the man one more time. And I got to thank him for how he had literally, that book was so instrumental in my life and my pursuit of theology. But it was around a, about that time, all right? I remember I bought a book in the discount bin for like 50 cents um, on Bible study methods, which had another profound impact on my life. So two books. In fact, I often say it, and which is somewhat, you know, sad, those two books probably have far more a profound impact on my life than church ever did, which is, again... Oh, well, could we, can we not talk about that? All right, but it was somewhere around that time. I do not know the specific day. I don't know the specific hour, but I purchased a book called The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. Now, when I purchased this book, somewhere around the same time, I purchased his study guide on First John. And I was kind of being introduced to what we would call now lordship salvation. At the time, I didn't know that this was like controversial. I didn't know this was putting forth maybe a perspective that others disagreed with. I thought, and you got to understand, I'm kind of a relatively new Christian, that this is just giving me Christianity 101. This is the way it is. If you claim to be a Christian, then you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord. And if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z, then you probably were never saved. You've got to pass the test. You got to prove it. First John gives you the test. You got to do this. 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 You have to do this in order to prove you're saved, which of course, if you just think about it logically, then you have to do it in order to be saved. Even say, no, 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 no. You don't do it to get saved. You do it because you're saved. But if I don't do it, I'm not saved. Well, yeah. Well, then I have to do it in order to be saved. No, no, no. You do it because you're saved. But if I don't do it, then I'm not saved. Okay. Right. You just talk in circles. Right. But at the time I'm like, oh, wow, this, this is it. Right. So then I, then I looked at it and I'm like, okay, okay. What do I do? Okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So I started trying to convince myself that I was doing these things to a great extent that I was like, I had it figured out. I was, I had, I had resolved the problem and I knew now how to live out the Christian life and I was doing so. And so what I did is I really focused in on the things I knew I did well. I read my Bible far more than anybody else. I never missed church ever. Didn't matter. I could be out to four o'clock in the morning. I was at church. I didn't miss Sunday school. I didn't miss Sunday morning. I didn't miss Sunday night. I didn't miss Wednesday. And if there was anything else going on, I was there. I listened to sermons all the time in every capacity that I could. 
I was learning theology, Bible study methods. I had no hundreds of notebooks filled with Bible studies. So I was like, hey, 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 I'm doing this. Now, any other area that was a mess in my Christian life at the time, I just said, well, you know, I did, I just tried to play that off, right? Because now the lordship test would tell me, uh, oh, you're, 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 you're in trouble. But I, I, I just convinced myself that I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And any other failures, I just really, I had to convince myself they didn't really prove what maybe the lordship test would show that they prove, which would possibly be that I'm not saved because the lordship test is weird, right? Do these things to prove you're saved. However, wait, wait. I mean, you're not going to do them perfectly. Okay. So, so an imperfect, score on the test could still be enough to prove that I'm saved, but it could be proving that I'm not saved. You talk about insecurity. You talk about not really knowing. And not only that, what it was pointing to is that my security was to be found in what I'm doing or not doing, not in what Christ did in his finished work. Well, after struggling a lot with the, you know, Baptist church trying to, cause I wanted theology. I wanted theology and I really wasn't getting good answers. I ended up becoming a Lutheran. Now, the first Lutheran church was a mess. An evangelical Lutheran church of America, liberal. It was nuts. It was crazy. Okay. Finally got it. I ended up in a Missouri Synod Lutheran church. Oh, conservative theology. We were, we were going through Luther's catechism. I was learning church history. I was learning about the Reformation. And I was being taught this new concept of the proper distinction between law and gospel. Now, at the time, I didn't quite understand it. At the time, I was kind of like, I don't really know exactly how to understand. In fact, it felt a little, well, because I thought, you remember, I thought MacArthur's view was the only view. I thought that was Christianity 101. So it felt like that this was kind of like this proper distinction between law and gospel was basically, here's God's law. You cannot keep it. You are never going to keep it. Therefore, your hope is in what Christ did. And I like, well, that seems to be making excuses and seems to be offering justification that I can do anything I want. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. But I didn't really grasp or understand it. Around that same time, and I know this is maybe not in perfect chronological order, Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll came out. And I was, and I struggled with that because I felt like, hmm, this seems to be too liberal or using MacArthur's language. This is easy believism. No, 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 no. We have to do these things. I have to do these things to prove that I'm saved. I have to do them. I have to do them, right? And so I was like, I would double down on the things that I did good. I would exalt those things. And so then ultimately they started leading to spiritual pride, spiritual arrogancy. But, but I, this is just the way I thought Christianity was. I had to operate somehow in this capacity. Then I end up in Germany, end up, uh, getting challenged on infant baptism and baptismal regeneration. Uh, then I end up in an independent fundamental Baptist church in Germany. Uh, then I end up back in, uh, back in Nebraska, Papillion, Nebraska, independent fundamental Baptist church. There's my first Bible Institute. My, I, I, I graduate there. I get, I, I attend Grace University to, to work on a degree there. And then I'm going to other schools and then I'm enrolling in every Bible college and seminary that I, I could find my, I could get into. I mean, if there, if schools were available, and I could take anything, I was taking them to pursue degrees in theology. And as I was doing this, I was still operating from a very much like MacArthur's view 
on lordship is that's that's just it's not even I, I didn't even like to even use the term lordship I just like this is Christianity 101 you have to do all, all of these things in order to prove that you're saved and if you don't do them then you were never saved and you look for assurance not in what Christ did but in the things that you're doing even though you may give God credit for him doing them in your life you're still looking for works as your assurance not to the work of Jesus Christ but I, I didn't catch on I didn't catch on I didn't catch on And then two things happened in my life. Two very important things. One, my own stupidity, my own failure. I brought shame to the name of Christ. I hurt people. I let people down. It was horrible, embarrassing, my own sin. And then you kind of realize that you're not as godly as you wanted to pretend to be. Now, the reality is, that one event had very little to do with anything because the reality is I was already sinful and already ungodly, but I was so living in this kind of lordship mentality that I was convincing myself that I was, I was in a sense covering myself with fig leaves and robes of self-righteousness to try to, to try to give myself some sense of assurance instead of just being honest that, Hey, I'm a sinner and I struggle and I struggle here and I struggle here and I may not pass that lordship test the way everyone else pretends that they do. And then I also was attending a Roman Catholic university to to pursue a degree in Catholic theology just because I wanted to speak on Catholicism from a position of knowledge, not one of ignorance. And it was in there that I got really challenged. And basically they were like, so you know that whole lordship thing. That's just basically the Protestant version of Roman Catholicism. And I'm like, wait, what? No, 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 no. We believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. And they say, you say that, but then you turn around and say, if you don't do this, 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 and this, and this, you were never saved. If you were, if you have to do it in order to prove that you were never saved, you have to do it in order to be saved. And then you have a test and a le- like they, they, they really challenged. And I was like, well, I'm not so sure about this. So then I began to slowly move away from a lordship perspective and really embraced a much more Lutheran-based concept of the proper distinction between law and gospel. And through uh, starting in 2022 and all of 2023, law and gospel, law and gospel, law and gospel, we spent well over a hundred hours on this very podcast talking about the proper distinction between law and gospel. And I think it was great stuff. I think it was important. I I, 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 I've said before, I think is one of the most significant things I have ever done because it brought in all of those perspectives that I encountered myself, bringing them together, struggling with them. Now, it didn't always, it didn't work out so well because many, 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 many people got very upset with me, lost people in my church, which is sad, lost listeners, which is sad because it seems like you have to either be hardcore in the Lordship camp Or you have to be in this camp. And I'm like, I don't really want to be in a camp. I just want to figure out what scripture says. And what I want to do more than anything is to understand that salvation is not based off what we do. It's not based off an infused righteousness, which is Roman Catholicism. It's based off an imputed righteousness, meaning that I am declared that what's accredited to my account is a perfect righteousness by faith alone. By faith alone, I am declared perfectly righteous. All my sins are forgiven. All my sins have been paid for. I am... in in my position, I'm a new creature. The old is gone, all is new. In practice, I'm still a sinner with a sinful nature and that I'm still going to fall short and I still cannot obey God's law perfectly, even as a saved person. 
And what I want people to do is find hope and assurance and comfort and forgiveness in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I want them to start looking to themselves, their own righteousness, their own self-righteousness, their own efforts, and find hope, comfort, and peace in the finished work of Jesus Christ and rest in that. And I don't care what team you call it. Now, of course, you start trying to do that. You get called an antinomian and you get accused of everything. But I don't really care what people want to say. You go, you go pursue it the way you want. I'm going to pursue Christ and his righteousness and find hope and comfort in that. So it has been a very long year. And, and at times you're just kind of like, I just don't know. I just, I don't know. Is it worth it? I don't know. You struggle. And then I get an email. So we go all the way from the 1980s till, right? There was a quick historical overview, maybe an oversimplification, but we jumped to December the 27th. December the 27th, 2023, 4.35 a.m. in the morning. December the 27th, 2023, 4.35 a.m. in the morning. And I received the following email. Now, I may skip some of this or I may kind of stop, start reading it and stop it because anything that's kind of too personal, I'll kind of remove from it. But I want to share some of this because this really captures what I've been talking about. Here we go. It says, hello, brother. I just wanted to send you a quick end of the year note thanking you for what you do. Now, again, that's that end of the year kind of thing, which you always love as a podcaster. Your podcast and teachings have played a pivotal role in my walk with the Lord. It has been well over a decade since I stumbled across your podcast. I remember hearing you say something about election and started laughing and shut you off. How dare that? I'm, I'm offended. Why would anyone shut me off? How can this is the most riveting podcast in the history of, okay, all right, I, I take that back. I'm joking. All right. He goes, but being somewhat a new convert and attending a Wesleyan holiness style church, I had never heard of such a doctrine. However, your words that day sent me on a quest to learn the truth. And now I embrace God's complete sovereignty in election. Well, amen on that. And of course we know all praise and glory be to God, not to me. I have nothing to do with that, right? You're, you're not going to come to understand election because of me, right? That, that, that has nothing to do with me, all right? So, it says, embracing Reformed theology sent me down a path that led me to the Puritans, and of course, also to the people such as John MacArthur, he refers to him as Johnny Mac, uh, R.C. Sproul, Paul Washer, etc. I basically went from holiness to lordship almost overnight. So, this person went from holiness to lordship. Now, here is the next sentence that I thought was one of the most powerful of the entire email. You ready for this? Neither or neither of these positions have ever brought me any assurance of my salvation. Neither of those positions, neither of those positions, holiness or lordship ever brought me assurance of my salvation. It, now, if anyone is remotely honest with themselves, a lordship should never bring you assurance of salvation. Look at the test, whether they're using the Jonathan Edwards test, the John MacArthur test, the wretched radio test, all of that. There's all these tests, 10 points, 12 points, 14 points. And you look at them, you're like, you got to do this. You got you to love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. 
You got to be holy as he is holy. Whatever, whatever they give you, you got to do this. You got to love God's word more than, than this and this. And, and you look and it's all law, 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 law. And the law was never designed to give you assurance. Law was, uh, was designed to show you, you can't do it. And therefore you must flee to the only thing that will give you assurance. The one who keeps the law. When people look to the Sermon on the Mount and say, read the Sermon on the Mount, and if you do these things, it proves you're saved, and if you don't, it proves you're lost, well, you're in trouble. The Sermon on the Mount is Christ helping you understand the full weight of the law, so by the time you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you're like, woe is me, I am undone, I cannot do these things. But that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes far so far as to say, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is to condemn you. It's not that you can do that, you cannot. And Christ, you can, because he is the one who fulfills it all for you. And by faith, his righteousness is not infused, but declared accredited to your account. That's the only place you're going to find assurance. The law was not designed to give you assurance. The law was designed to condemn you and drive you to the foot of the cross. It was to drive you to a righteousness that will fulfill the law. And that isn't yours. That is his. And he did it. And by faith, it is imputed, not infused, imputed to you. I will repeat that a thousand times, no matter how irritated people get that I'm repetitive on that point. This person realized it. He went from holiness to lordship and neither of them provided any assurance of salvation. Now, typically any assurance one obtains during Holding, holding on to lordship is because you focus on the things you're good at, ignore all the other things you fell at, and then usually you become spiritually arrogant, prideful, condes- condescending, and a condemning jerk. At least I did. He says then about a year ago, someone pointed out that, you know, I, that I, I was, I was now doing the Theology Central podcast and they started listening again. He says, once again, your teachings, as well as your constant insisting that we think critically, has brought me to a new place in my walk with the Lord. Hearing your critiques of lordship salvation, along with books that you have suggested, such as A Gospel of Doubt, have helped me to see the issues with lordship, things that sadly should have been obvious to me, but weren't. Well, they should have been obvious to me, and they weren't to me. Now, the only, I don't make any excuse, but... As a new convert, I thought that this was like, this was Christianity 101. I didn't realize that there was this, like a philological happening occurring. I didn't understand. I'm like, oh, this is a book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gospel according to Jesus. This is just the way I'm supposed to understand it. It took, I had to be confronted with other ideas before I realized, hmm, maybe this isn't like just the way it is. Now, I know those who hold the Lordship will be like, you're easy believism, you're an antinomian, you're going to hell. Okay, you think everyone's going to hell. So, I mean, come on, you know, like who isn't going to hell according to that view? It says, for the first time in my Christian life, this is my, my favorite part, I am confidently resting in the finished work of my Savior and not constantly struggling with assurance. Praise God. Assurance is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you can always have assurance because Jesus paid it all. He did it all. My assurance comes from my trust in the active and passive obedience of Christ, my Savior, not in my own abilities. That is so true. The passive and active obedience of Christ 
Just this morning, I heard an old R.C. Sproul sermon where he said, I think it's possible to be saved and not tithe, but you're barely saved. And I thought to myself, what a ridiculous statement. Well, that I didn't hear the sermon, but yeah, you can't be barely saved. You're saved. You're saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ. You're saved by his blood. I, I now see that both the holiness movement and the lordship camp have to have to talk out of both sides of their mouth to try to make any sense of their own theological systems. I believe that God has used your hard work to help mold me into the confident Christian I am today. Well, I it's not my hard work. Okay. I pray this letter is one of encouragement and I look forward to what 2024 has to offer. And uh, they give their name. They say, God bless and sola dea gloria. Well, it has nothing to do with my hard work. I think... The key here, and I know we have taken kind of a long pause in our law and gospel series, and I'm going to post this in the law and gospel series because this fits with the law and gospel. It really does. Our ongoing discussion about law and gospel fits this whole subject perfectly. I think, and and it, it just, it makes me so sad that when you try to talk about law and gospel and lordship, how people just get so hostile and frustrated with you, like, all I'm trying to do is show you God's law condemns. If you're remotely honest with yourself and remotely honest with God's standards, I can just give you a couple of scriptures. Love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love your neighbors yourself and be you holy. Be ye holy as he is holy. You're doomed. You're condemned. That is to show you, if, you, if you're remotely honest with God's standards, then remotely honest with yourself. If you'll truly see yourself as you truly are, if you really will look inside and see that even if you're not doing certain things externally, you're doing them internally. You're thinking, struggling, doubting, lust, whatever the issue, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, that you love self more than you love God. Oh, just all, oh, you know, woe is me, I'm undone. And then if you'll realize that Christ came and that putting your faith in him, his righteousness is imputed to your account. account. You're declared to be that which you are not in practice and never will be in practice. Then I don't care what camp you call that. So at the end of 2023, I do hope that in all of our 100 hours plus of discussing law and gospel, that some of these concepts will have been made even more clear. And I pray that more people will be able to go, I've now found some assurance. I've now found some hope. I found some peace. Peace. I've been able to rest now in the finished work of Jesus Christ and not in my own actions. And maybe, maybe, maybe you could say it's broken my pride and it, it's humbled me and it's made me more gracious. It's made me more empathetic. It's made me more compassionate. It's made me not such an arrogant jerk. Now, I'm not saying that person ever was. I'm just saying I wish that since we would all be able to be broken and humbled a little bit more because we realize how far we have fallen short and we always will. But Christ is our hope. Positionally, I'm perfect. I'm holy. I'm a new creature. The old is gone. All things are new. Practically, I still have a sinful nature. I still struggle. I still fall short. For any victory I gained that's external, there's probably 47 defeats internally that are happening at any given time. Selfishness, ungodliness. 
So I want to thank this person for sending the email because it was a massive encouragement because you get to the end of the year and sometimes you're like, so what, what, you know, what was the point? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of sitting in front of a microphone. Did it matter? Did it accomplish anything? And sometimes an email goes a long way. So thank you so very much for taking the time to do that. God gets the glory, not me. His word gets the glory, not me. But I'm grateful that you found that peace, you found that comfort, you found that hope. And I wanted to share that with everyone because I want you not to take away from this the email. I want you to take away from this that unless you're looking to the finished work of Christ alone, you're never going to find assurance. And assurance for salvation will be found in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. Now you can email me your thoughts and your struggles to newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And I hope that we will have a productive and exciting theological journey in 2024. We don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know what's going to happen. I know we're all going to have our own uh, failures and sins and struggles and, and ups and downs, but hopefully we can accomplish something in 2024 and maybe accomplish a a more than we did in 2023. And I don't know about you. Maybe I will take another step forward and maybe being a better Christian than I was in 2023. I don't know. I'm hoping. And hopefully we will all grow in our understanding and It's of God's grace and his mercy. So thank you so much for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.